0: Blog talk Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into a the topic of state legislative restrictions on public-owned broadband. How do communities work with these laws, or work around these laws, or find ways to hope maybe, possibly remove those? But in the overall scheme of broadband in these United States. Uh, A number of these laws create some significant difficulties for communities that want to have the option, if not exercise that option, to be able to build their own public-owned, whether it's by the local government or by the uh, public utility. They want to have that option to, um, to, to be able to exercise if they so desire. So joining me today are the president of the Coalition for Local Internet Choice, Click, uh, which is uh, who is Jim Baller, and also the CEO for Click, uh, Joanne Hovis. Uh, Jim and Joanne, both welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, guys. thank you, Craig.
1: And if you in the audience recognize these names, it's because they both have been very active. In the community broadband space for a number of years, and obviously are continuing uh, to play a significant role in this um, in this industry. I want to start with um, I did an interview of Ken Wyatt, who is the founder of an organization called Emerging Local Government Leaders, and it's, it's as it sounds. It's basically uh, visionary uh, officials of local government mayors and city managers and so forth and who are taking an active interest in things that affect their community one of which is broadband and so for this article i wrote in in uh, Gig home today he said uh, most local officials haven't had an opportunity to inform citizens of all their options for broadband and then asking voters what it is that they want to do so why are state legislators Uh, limiting our options preemptively. And and that's my first question to, uh, we can start with Jim and then Joanne, but why are these laws in place?
2: Well, uh, most of the laws, uh, perhaps even all of them, but certainly most of them are uh, promoted by uh, incumbent uh, communication service providers uh, who are uh eager to uh, limit competition it's as simple as that that's that's the origin of most of these laws
1: mhm and have they done that
2: have the laws in fact limited competition they certainly yeah. have
1: okay uh,
2: they they create not only uh explicit uh barriers but they also create an aura of risk uh, that makes it uh, very difficult for uh, some communities to uh, decide to go forward uh, with projects of that kind. Uh, The laws are all different from one another, but they have the common feature that uh, they uh, make projects more time-consuming, expensive, and risky, and that's not a good combination for uh, local leaders who wish to bring to their communities the many benefits that advanced communications capabilities can support and drive.
1: Okay, we have a caller actually early on in the process. Let me see if I can pull them online here. Good morning. This is Gigabit Nation. Do we have a caller on the line? Hi, Craig. Chuck Sherwood here. Chuck. Top of the morning to you, laddie. I guess it's afternoon there. Sorry, I forgot where I was. Yeah. How are you? Uh, uh, it,
0: it uh, I, I'm i not actually calling with a question. I mean, this is the only way I could listen to the show because for some reason you're not um, on a blog
1: talk radio. It's not loading properly. Okay. Um, hmm. All right. Well, as long as you mute your phone, that's totally okay. I don't have a problem with that. Good to know you're there. If you want to chime in with a question, just take your mute off and... And and chime right in. Oh, so we'll absolutely! Just, I I I love talking to these two people and you. All righty, that sounds good. So, Joanne, actually, you know, before we go any further, uh, for so for our audience who, who are not aware, um, Jim Baller is a an attorney who uh, specializes in this telecom space. So, obviously, his perspective is one from the you know legal side directly, um, and Joanne. Uh, is with CTC, a consulting firm, and has been providing consulting and planning services for communities that have been building these uh, these networks. And so, Joanne, from the perspective of, you know, someone who's out there dealing with these communities at the grassroots level, what kinds of impact have you seen these laws having on uh, communities that are trying to move their projects forward?
3: Um there's a wide range of impacts, Craig, ranging from just outright uh, stopping major initiatives and um literally stopping investment from being made in fiber projects, wireless projects, and particularly rural fiber projects in many cases, simply because the projects either become illegal or infeasible because the state law imposes requirements that make it impossible for the the program, the the new fiber network, for example, to be financially viable. And some of the state laws work in that way. But it ranges from that kind of impact to somewhat more subtle and nuanced impact that are just as destructive. So for example um, even private investment in many states has been limited or halted where competitive providers look at the state law look at some of the challenges that they might have if they were to partner with the local government um, and see some facilitation or support or joint investment with that local government and the state law gets in the way of even that private investment from a competitive provider and so i echo the point that jim made a few minutes ago about these laws being very much about stopping competition. They have the very unfortunate impact of stopping both private and public investment and stopping new networks from emerging in lots of different ways, some of them really obvious and overt and some much more subtle.
1: Mm-hmm. And how did the uh, this organization click? Uh which both of you I assume had more or less equal parts in, in 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 creating what was the genesis for this? Is it specifically to try to roll back these laws or to have something else more comprehensive in your uh in in your mission Craig sorry, about,
3: sorry, I jumped right in there no, um, go ahead. I. Click is a representation of our experience over many years uh, of observing community interest in broadband and observing that the interest is not just by the local government and the elected officials. It is also by local businesses, community groups, nonprofits, frequently local chambers of commerce, and the many different kinds of companies that would like to invest in those communities or benefit from those communities. Click Really comes out of the um, recognition that the the issue of enabling local decision making in broadband and internet, which is what we stand for, that that localities should not be limited or prescribed in how they can engage their own communities' need for broadband. Uh, that issue is not a public versus private issue. Quite the contrary, there are a wide range of private interests that have a deep, deep interest and engagement with this because it's about the future of their locality, their community, their region, maybe their state, and certainly our nation. And so Click is a broad array of public and private uh, partners who come to the coalition together to demonstrate that this is not public versus private. It's about enabling a better broadband Internet future.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, Craig, let me add a few things uh, to that, if I might. Sure, go Um, ahead. It's not even uh, centric uh, around communications as such. What we focus on are the kinds of things that are really important to communities, economic development, educational opportunity, public safety, access to uh, modern health care, smart transportation, urban revitalization. All of these things are traditional functions of communities, and communications is advanced communications capabilities are a platform and driver of progress in each of these areas all at the same time over the same infrastructure. So we focus on the communications piece of it, but it is uh, also very important uh, to us to view what we're doing as being to create strong communities, because at bottom we believe that strong communities are essential to a great nation, and we want to keep America as a great uh, nation. Mm -hmm. And so When we talk about what we're trying to achieve, we want our communities to have access to advanced communications capabilities in whatever way works for them. Typically, the communities that have uh, found it uh, necessary to go forward and develop networks of their own tried to work with incumbents before embarking on that kind of strategy. More recently, we have... Uh, firms like Google and Ceasefire and others, who are uh, looking for ways to partner with local communities, uh, there are other innovative ways that communities are exploring. We applaud that and encourage it, and hope that uh, all of the options are on the table and available to as many communities as possible. And as we'll discuss later, uh, we we can uh get into uh what click is doing to uh enable uh more and more communities to do that sort of thing.
0: Mhm.
1: Let's start with um you know, measure of of success in your mind. I'll start with Joanne and then, then Jim. In a year, if if click is successful, What does success look like or what do you hope success looks like after a year?
3: The first thing, Craig, is that we want to be sure that this debate is being held throughout the United States, that we have a vibrant national discussion about what is in the best interests of our communities as they engage the broadband future, and as we look overseas and see that many of our competitor nations are building fiber-to-the-home in particular with very robust wireless on top of it at a very fast pace. there, we need to have a national debate about what is in the best interests of America's communities and making sure that the interests and the voice of um, the, the many members of our coalition who believe that local input and local decision-making are crucial, that's um, our first goal is This this issue should not be swept under the rug while incumbents lobby for laws that stop localities from trying to promote their futures. That's Mm -hmm. first. The second one is that the new year always brings the state uh, legislative sessions, and that is a time of great risk for many localities because each year there tend to be a couple or more states that consider... um, Uh, frequently industry-written legislation, um, certainly industry-advocated legislation that would stop local initiatives around broadband, sometimes public ownership, sometimes public-private partnership, sometimes even just public facilitation of private projects, um, as in a law that was proposed in Kansas last year and thankfully uh, did not pass. and so one of our goals is to make sure that local communities and their private sector allies have um, tools and information at their disposal as the legislative session um, approaches and that the coalition that we have assembled on a national basis and in Washington um, can be mobilized and can be replicated at a local, regional, and state level.
1: Mm-hmm. Jim, what's your what's your view? How how would you uh, expect to measure success for Click in a year or so?
2: Well, in in terms of
0: uh specifics,
2: uh Click currently has uh we, we've been at it for about uh 4 to 5 months and we currently have uh more than 200 members. Uh we would like to see the numbers uh increase Uh, very significantly. I I can't give you a number that uh, would be uh, a a measure of success, but we we would like to add many hundreds uh, more uh, members to click. Um, We would like to see the nature of the conversation that Joanne talked about change so that We are not talking about uh, myths, but are talking about facts and realities. Uh, If there are things that hold uh, incumbent carriers or others back from being able to serve communities, we need to uh, be candid with one another. We need to lay the facts on the table. We need to be uh, honest about so-called municipal failures, uh, they they don't happen uh, anywhere near the level of uh, uh, prevalence that the, the um, uh, some members of the industry would have the public believe, um, and and we need to talk about what America's communities need to be successful and how we're going to facilitate their getting what they need.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's that's what would be. Um, the greatest success if we could change the dialogue so that the public and private sectors are talking about what is really going on and what's needed to remove uh, restrictions, legal, economic, uh, and other.
1: Okay, and and so any any community, and I, I'm, gu- I'm guessing any. Private sector company that has a stake in this discussion are are welcome to join click and and be part of this process
2: We do have a, a number of uh, uh private sector entities uh you know ranging from Google and Microsoft down to small providers uh, uh, associations representing private sector entities uh we we greatly welcome participation by both the public and the private sector, anyone who is a stakeholder in this process, and let's face it, we're all stakeholders in this process. We do have to get this right.
1: Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, reception are you getting, both in the uh, private sector side, but at the community level as well? Uh, Joanne, you can start.
3: Um uh, the reception has been tremendous and very warm. I think uh, this is a a cause and an idea that whose time has come in many ways. Communities have been working toward uh, a broadband future and trying to impact the broadband future for well over a decade. And um, I think they have welcomed the fact that the issue has renewed um that there is a louder conversation happening and that there is a debate in Washington. And, um, and so that has been a very welcome thing. And then I think on the private sector side too, there, this has been welcomed by so many of our allies who I think understand that we don't have a big broadband future. If we don't have communities involved, that there's going to be need to be significant effort and investment at the local level. Um, we We felt very welcome to answer your question uh craig and um and welcome the participation of anyone who has a stake in this uh, I hope you'll check out uh click and and our materials
0: mm-hmm.
3: as you'll see also
2: from our materials and from the way that uh you hear us uh talking this is not an anti uh incumbent organization either. Uh, we are uh, unrelentingly positive and we hope to be constructive. We we talked earlier about working with willing incumbents. We would like to find ways for many more opportunities for incumbents to be willing to work with communities. And so we we want to reach out to everyone and uh, create a uh, forum where we look for ways constructively to uh, get together with one another to benefit from uh, learning in one community or another, and to make some real progress. Um, Joanne mentioned uh, Joanne mentioned earlier in in uh, her presentation that uh, we are lagging behind some of our uh, counterpart countries. Uh, people tend to focus first on europe and there are some uh, very uh, advanced uh, countries in europe but people don't tend to focus as much on uh, asia and um, you know, we here in north america have approximately uh, 11 to 12 million fiber to the home connections uh, china which many of us would say is a very important uh, competitor nation uh, to the United States, uh, has at the very least 60 million fiber-to-the-home connections, and uh, some reports say that uh, they have uh, up to uh, 200 million. Uh, They can do things, that we as a nation can't do, such as declare that all new connections will be fiber uh, connections. They've done that. We we can't do that here. But if we're going to be a great nation, we can't sit back and make excuses. We have to find as many viable ways as possible to to make our own progress. And so uh, all of this is important, and that's why – and in, in large part, we believe that the public and private sectors have to come together and and
1: work these things out. Mm-hmm. Now, let's shift a little bit and talk about the actual laws. I, mean, I, I wrote a, a piece, uh, I mentioned this earlier, uh, for, for GigaOM, because I wanted to have some written material to kind of augment our discussion here. All laws are not the same. I mean, and 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 obviously, you know, Jim, you've been working the legal side since forever. I'm guessing that you know, in terms of the impact, they're kind of different at the community level, which is something that, that Joanne can probably speak to. But but starting with Jim, what are the I don't know the, the the categories of laws if you were to kind of put them into I mean, that's part again what I did with the article. But you you know, you tell me if that makes sense you know, what you see as the the, the categories of laws and, and what their impact is.
2: Okay. Well, um, some laws are uh, flat-out prohibitions of certain kinds of services. Um, some laws uh, provide for uh, processes and procedures that are themselves uh, greatly burdensome and time-consuming and are not applicable to the private sector. Uh, and we talked a little bit earlier about how that kind of law works.
0: Mm-hmm. Some
2: laws, and these are these are the ones that are uh, most uh, problematic, pretend to be written to achieve a level playing field and fair competition but in their operation are uh, very prohibitory in effect. Uh, One such law is the uh, law that's currently uh, being uh, challenged before the FCC in the uh, Wilson, North Carolina, proceeding. Uh, These laws have a number of provisions in them that uh, supposedly will uh, create uh, for both the public and private sectors uh, uh, seemingly fair competition, but when you break them down and analyze them, uh, they create a wall of uh, uh, difficulties for uh, communities that the private sector does not have to cope with and, and could not cope with.
0: Mm-hmm. And so uh,
2: some laws apply to uh, certain services and not to other uh, services. Uh some laws are uh, are um workable in some ways and not workable in other ways. You just have to look at the particular law of the particular state very carefully and uh see what it requires, what it prohibits what options it leaves available
1: okay. so joanna you you do. let me let you explain what CTC does, and then I'll ask my question.
3: Um, So what we do is we work all over the country and to some degree internationally on um, strategy, business planning, and engineering for uh, public and public-private initiatives around broadband and communications infrastructure. And that ranges from internal government needs to incremental public-facing efforts where communities are trying to facilitate or assist or partially fund public-private partnerships, um, Mm -hmm. all the way over to full public networks with municipal ownership and operations, and then hybrids.
1: Mm -hmm. So in that uh, capacity, how does a community, as they're getting ready to plan their networks, how do they know if there's a restriction in their state and then how do they plan or, you know, figure out how they're going to address that?
3: So it, it's always a consideration, Craig. Even in the states where there is no barrier or prohibition, there is awareness by the localities of the fact that um, sometimes the incumbents might go to the legislature. If the locality initiates a project, they, they're they very cognizant of the fact that there's a certain amount of vulnerability Um, on their part, and they, you know, for this reason, these laws, even in the states where they don't exist, have a chilling effect, because they have to be aware and be cautious and and build into all their planning the fact that there might be significant efforts by incumbents to stop them from uh, engaging with the private sector or building new networks themselves. Um The way they would tend to build it into a process is it's part of the risk assessment and the planning from the very first day and um you know localities are aware of state law they they work together in municipal leagues and in county associations, and so most of them will know that there's a state law out there they they have in states where these state laws exist. They will have the significant added burden in going through planning and feasibility of um, a legal analysis of the law and the impact of the law, and um, and sometimes they will you know, have to be very cognizant of the fact that even if they have a very very strong case for what they're planning to do under the law, that doesn't stop someone from suing them. Um, and trying to delay them and creating all kinds of costly processes and barriers to their project getting underway. So it's just built into the planning from day one. It's a huge line-item cost in every way and and will delay and add huge additional Mm -hmm. expense and frequently stop a project from getting off the ground. Now, Mm -hmm. I should say this is in addition to the very prudent, natural risk assessment that a community will do anyway, because communities are not quick to undertake major projects. They are deliberative by nature. They they go through process and they go through procurement and they go through all kinds of efforts um, and different kinds of approvals before they undertake any project. So there's risk assessment and analysis and feasibility analysis that is underway in any event. But the laws that are designed to stop new networks from emerging uh, do have that effect of adding on this additional very burdensome and costly extra level of analysis that, um, in my opinion, is intended only to stop projects, not actually to make them more prudent or or um, more viable.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, isn't um, an additional... Uh I don't know burden, uh, which is basically a, a time and people issue, is that you need to have a certain type of legal expertise on board, and the smaller the town, the more difficult it is to even find uh, that kind of expertise, right? And then, and, and, and in addition to that, um, I, I forgot. I think it was South Carolina. I was talking to some folks there who said that you know all of the firms that have that expertise are already working for the incumbents, so you know, we're just you know, just doubly burdened with this process. Uh
2: that's true. That's true, Craig. Um it's uh it's unfortunate, but it's true.
1: So now how are some ways that cities or towns can uh, maybe alleviate some of that burden? And in your answer, maybe consider uh, the possibility of several communities banding together to maybe share legal resources?
2: Well, that's that's certainly a a useful way to do that. Uh, There are also, in most states, uh, organizations that uh, represent um, municipal interests county interests um there are uh regional and in some cases state chapters of uh Natoa uh, that's the, for those who don't know the National Association of Telecommunications Officers and advisors and, and their regional entities that uh, understand these issues
0: um
2: there are uh there are I think as most people who have these uh, issues will find uh, attorneys and um, uh, uh, local officials in states where uh, there have been experiences of this kind in the past who are willing uh, to share their knowledge and experiences and um, uh, and we're here, too. Uh, I would much rather spend my time working on particular projects and uh, getting uh, networks up and running and successful. But um, uh, if people need support, uh, that's uh, that's something that uh, uh, our firm and uh, a handful of other firms
1: uh, can give. Mm-hmm. And. Looking at, um, it's probably good to maybe talk about a couple of, of state processes that are that are out—not state processes—processes um, processes that are necessary to meet and address certain issues. Like for example, in um, Washington, theirs is a fairly straightforward. Uh, public utilities have uh, a restriction. Uh, communities could get around that restriction. It doesn't take a lot other than, I mean, I'm sort of, I'm the marketing guy, right? So I say it doesn't take a lot, but it seems a fairly, you know, straightforward process. And it also seems that there are several communities that, or there are states that fall into that category. If a community does X, and X is generally, you know, fairly well s- stated, then they can have broadband. So like you see the situation in Colorado, You know, if you pass a referendum, uh, you can get your authority back and you can now um, proceed with your broadband activities. For some of these, I guess, lesser onerous um, uh, laws, do you feel that these are manageable and should states or communities try to overturn those or just kind of accept those and work through the process?
2: It depends on uh, what specifically the state law says and what a particular community would like to do. Uh, There might be, in some instances, the ability to work within the law and um, uh, bear the burdens it creates and still be successful. uh, And in other uh, cases, that's, that's not possible. And uh, you used the state of Washington, for example. Um, The state of Washington has a law that says that uh, public utility districts, uh, which are uh, usually uh, entities operating at a county level, uh, cannot provide uh, retail service. Uh, They may or may not be able to provide wholesale service, uh, depending on the circumstances uh and so uh to someone who uh is unfamiliar with uh, what it's like to provide uh service at the wholesale level only uh that's a very challenging business model uh and uh depending on the uh circumstances uh it's it's very difficult to make that model work. In fact, we have very, very few examples of the wholesale model uh, working uh, on any scale in the United States for a variety of reasons. So, again, uh, it's difficult to give uh, generalities that, that work across the board because you do have to look at the specific circumstances, the specific procedures involved, and the specific restrictions that apply under the circumstances that you have in front of you. I'll give you another example. Uh, Florida has a law that says that a project has to be uh, paying for itself within four years. Well, you might be able to do that if you're talking about a a wireless project, but if you want to do a fiber-to-the-home project, uh, there are very few fiber-to-the-home projects that uh, are built and are uh, capable of uh, serving a large enough segment of the public to be uh, self-sustaining uh, within four years.
3: So uh, it depends.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I can so, add to that also, just yes. from the, on the Florida side, as someone who writes business plans and looks at the business elements for this, Fiber-the-home projects on the private sector side are never self-sustaining. In four years, these are long-term investments. Fiber is usually depreciated on a 20- to 30-year basis, and the equipment is depreciated on a 7- to 10-year basis. And the idea that a network has to achieve certain kinds kinds of very artificial metrics um, in four years is a hidden way of saying that the network is being set up to never meet those networks those metrics and to fail Mm -hmm. and that's what we mean when we say that some of these laws in sort of subtle ways are really very insidious it might sound when you first hear it like this is a really reasonable thing to require but it's not required of the private sector and for a community that wants to meet its own needs to put these kinds of financial burdens and these really artificial carefully crafted ways of trying to undercut Mm -hmm. the project from day one to put those Mm -hmm. in place is essentially just a subtle way of saying communities you may not build for your broadband future sit back and wait and see if somebody else namely, the incumbent will do it for you. It also has that impact, Craig, by the way, in the case of private investment. So where competitors want to partner with communities, many of these laws have that impact. You mentioned Colorado, which is another case where people say, well, it's a pretty reasonable law. They have to go to a referendum and vote to restore their authority. But What has happened in Colorado and the reason why so many communities, one reason why so many communities in Colorado have now put referenda on the ballot is that, and this has been publicly discussed in the trade press, Google apparently considered investing pretty extensively in a couple of cities in Colorado. Those cities made it onto Google's very, very short list. And Google decided that the state law that requires this referendum before there would be before even a public-private partnership is possible, was a burden that they didn't want to face. Google's all about trying to reduce burdens and barriers, not undertake new ones. So Mm -hmm. the localities now, after the fact... Having had no control before that, having lost out on this great opportunity for private investment in fiber to the home, the localities are now going back and trying to fix a problem that was created by the state legislature, perhaps unknowingly, but created nonetheless. And in that way, that law, which would appear to be so reasonable, actually cost the state of Colorado a whole lot of great opportunity and great private investment. And the businesses of Colorado should be pretty concerned and unhappy about that because they lost out on all of
2: that new Hello? Do we just
3: lose Joanne? I'm
1: here.
3: Oh okay, all right.
1: So in terms of um you know, we we talked about there there are procedural there's like a procedural strategy you need to develop as you plan the network to adjust for the laws that may exist in your state or the possibility that laws may come into being in your state. Um, What about the sort of straightforward task of just trying to get some of these laws uh, rescinded? Are we talking the impossible? Are we talking, you know, the possible with people rolling up their sleeves? I mean, how do you see that uh, potential for that happening? I guess we'll start with Jim because you know obviously all of the laws in, in, in detail. But um, because my question to Joanne would be, you know, what is the what do you think the willingness is of these communities to, you know, to rise up to do what it would take to try to get them overturned? But, but, but let's start with Jim. You know, what, you know, is that an option? Does that make sense?
2: Well, we've seen in a couple of instances that uh, a positive. Uh, Legislation has happened, uh, but once a uh, barrier has been enacted, it has been uh, very difficult to uh, remove them. We've also seen a number of situations in which uh, legislators um, local uh, legislators seeking to uh, provide certainty for local uh, leadership and communities have uh, introduced legislation only to have it hijacked by the uh, uh incumbent carriers and their allies uh by attaching amendments to it that made the situation even worse than uh it was uh, at the beginning what's at stake in in these legislative campaigns is that it's extremely difficult for state legislators who um, come to their state capital for uh, four or five months uh, to legislate. They they typically see a couple thousand or more bills. Uh, they have to maintain uh, their uh, ongoing jobs because you can't be a full-time state legislator in most states. Uh, it's difficult for them to understand what's, Really at issue in all of the laws that they see, and so uh we have a an educational uh challenge uh that's part of uh Click's mission to uh, help uh create the tools to help legislators better understand uh, what the issues are uh what's between the lines and between the words and and that sort of thing so um are, are the prospects great for uh, rolling back state laws? I think they're better now than they were a year ago. I think that uh, Click and other organizations, uh, ally organizations, are uh, working to uh, create more and better tools uh, to help this discussion go forward. Uh, but I don't anticipate a... Um, Broad rollback of uh, state legislation uh, this year, uh, maybe in the years ahead. We certainly hope so, but uh, mm-hmm. n- not 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 beginning next month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Joanne, from your perspective, what do you think is the level of willingness by folks at the community level to to undertake this this uh, struggle of both education and politicking to try to get some of these states to to roll back some of their laws?
3: Craig, in the 17 years that I have been in this field, I think the level of concern and interest and motivation has never been as high as it is now. Localities have been engaged in broadband and pushing toward a broadband future for at least a decade and a half and going back to the mid 90s when many localities built some of the first fiber networks to schools and libraries and public safety and um, started working on digital inclusion and um, digital literacy programs and so on. There's been an enormous effort at the local level that as time passes, I think it increasingly becomes more evident to localities and to local elected officials that this is really the infrastructure of the future, as Jim likes to say, the electricity of the 21st century. and. Um, and that is highly motivational because when the stakes are quite that high, when we're talking about the the platform over which our economy increasingly moves and needing that platform to be as big and broad as possible to be able to compete, those are pretty high stakes, and that means that local communities have a, a strong incentive to get engaged. And if they're being held back from uh, building that platform either themselves or with private partners – uh, to build towards the future in which that is the electricity they require they're they're going to be very motivated so mm-hmm. i everywhere I travel and I'm almost constantly on the road all over the country i I see the level of interest is at a level well it's it's higher than I've ever seen it before and i I get constant communications as I know Jim and our many other allies do from people at the local government level, but also just residents. Like this morning I got an email from someone in Phoenix saying, uh, I'm really concerned about this. This is incredibly important. What can I do? I And found me on the Internet. This is... There is a grassroots understanding of the concerns. There is a business and corporate understanding of the concerns, and then certainly local government. And if all of those entities partner together and build coalitions the way we have tried to do with Click at the national level, they will be a much stronger force for advocating for local choice in Internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to get both of your takes on a uh, conversation I had with um – the city manager of of, uh, a city, a town in um, New Mexico. And basically, New Mexico used to have a prohibition on co-ops being able to run networks, and uh, that went away. And how, or or one of the elements that was described to me in terms of how uh, Kit Carson, I believe it's Kit Carson Utility, um, was, was successful was they became political allies with the legislature, legislators, right? So it wasn't just about, um, as as the guy described it, it wasn't just about coming and making a demand and asking for something from the legislators. Those folks went in and figured out what were uh, the various legislators, you know, pet projects, their primary interests, and so forth and so on, and where possible, the the uh, co-op would basically marshal their customers, their troops, as an ally in these um uh, legislative agendas, if you will. But what it resulted was they were then able, after about a year or two of doing this, to influence the rescinding of the law. Uh and I'll start with, with um you know, Jim, you know, is this something that, that uh communities should consider proactively as they either try to, you know, prevent new laws or get rid of the existing ones. And then, Joanna, i again I'd like to kind of get your sense of, you know, is there a willingness of communities to to go to that level, or at least find some stakeholders who will, you know, take on that role. So, Jim, what do you think? Well,
2: um, I, I find that interesting. I would note that cooperatives and their members are members of the private sector, and I, I frankly would need to know more about what you were uh, referring to. Uh, on an abstract level, I find it difficult to uh, conceive of how uh, public officials can do what I think you're describing uh, because uh, they have uh, limited responsibilities as public officials and uh, uh, can't support a broad range of uh, other kinds of positions that legislators might be uh, interested in. Uh, but but let me just pause there and uh, hand it over to Joanne for your reaction.
3: I, it's a good idea and it's good policy for local communities and their private sector allies um, and for co-ops who are private sector and for municipal entities who are public Um, but who are frequently in similar roles when it comes to to rural broadband projects, it's a good idea for all of them to be engaged with the legislature. So I, I don't know the specifics of what happened in New Mexico either, but I would say that for local communities and the companies in those communities that care about their broadband future to tell the legislature in your state that this is important and that you want to be sure that your community can engage and use its assets in all the ways that it sees fit. that's a that's a great idea. And then there are states where there are legislatures who already very much understand this and are very supportive and are right there with their local communities and, in fact, who are themselves looking for ways to partner with local communities and trying to get rural broadband built out. state of New York is one that comes to mind. Um, Massachusetts is another. New Mexico has been supportive in a bunch of ways. California has been very forward-thinking. Um, Illinois, there are many states. And that's just off- the top of my head in about 30 seconds. So lots of state legislatures um, understand why local engagement is incredibly important, and and we should be communicating to the others why that is the case. And it's at risk of their own states that they they tie the hands of their own communities.
2: Uh, Craig, let me ask something, uh, perhaps. Um, When I said that local officials have a limited uh, range of – uh, things that they can support, let's let's turn back to what we were saying earlier about what advanced communications capabilities uh, can support. We're talking about economic development and job creation and educational opportunity and all the things that I listed before. Those topics um, probably have dimensions that, in one way or another, can fit with something a legislator is interested in. Uh, some legislators have particular passions for uh, assisting certain kinds of uh, their population, and I would bet that it would not take a great deal of creativity uh, to find ways in which communities free to develop or find public-private sector partnerships uh will be able to support activities of that kind. Yes, uh, Joanne, and you are absolutely right that engaging the um, uh, state legislatures is an important thing to do, and part of what we are uh, trying to do through Click and our allied organizations is to create the tools, the, the handouts, the analyses, the articles and whatever that help make the case uh, for why advanced communications networks can be so useful in so many ways across the board.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me actually add. I, I, while you guys were talking, I pulled up my um, interview notes for uh, for Kit Carson. So basically, they are a nonprofit uh, co-op, and so the leadership of the co-op aren't public officials in any sense. So they're mm-hmm. so, so they're not tied in there. What they and and maybe give a little more context for what they did. Um, they identified a number of economic development projects to pursue. Uh, Kit Carson Electric, they were to get behind and support. And after achieving a couple of victories, local victories on the economic development front, they then went to legislators and said, you know, we're working in similar areas. We're trying to achieve similar things. And you know, and then picking out maybe some of the specific projects of particular legislators and saying, we'll throw our support, you know, our constituents, our customers' support behind this project. And we've got this track record of being successful locally. We can help you be successful. And so, you know, it's all very above board. I mean, least as I'm looking at or, or, you know, referring to this guy's notes, you know, it's all a fairly above board exercise in, you know, as Jim mentioned, you know, finding economic development uh, wins and then using those to say to legislators, look, you guys are, you know, involved with, interested in, you know, relying on having some economic development wins will help you get those wins. And so, in, in essence, becoming a part of the landscape in the same way that, lobbyists for the incumbents are part of the landscape. You know, they're there to educate and inform and to help and, you know, open doors where possible. And so that that's the nature of their you know, of their action. It took a while, but you know, and the they got what they wanted. Okay. So anyway, it's you know, I I I I sort of throw these things out as, you know, here's one thing or one strategy that one Community or one entity has been successful in, I think what everyone else needs to do is look at, well, can I take some lessons from that? Can I take some elements of that, combine it with some elements of someone else's strategy and come up with something that's effective for, you know, my community in this county and in this, you know, particular state, which I would assume is, you know, is, is the kinds of things that, you know, Click encourages, you know, by by presenting people and gathering information for them, with the hopes that they will, uh, you know, communities will look at that and go, well, I can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I can create my own recipe for success, if I can use that analogy.
3: Craig, that's a great point. And, you know, I should say you're exactly right that that's exactly what Click wants to encourage and enable. And um, we will actually shortly be announcing some convening um, where we will welcome communities and private entities who have an interest in in our national broadband future um, to come together where we'll be talking about strategies around building local and regional and state coalitions along the lines Mm -hmm. of... The, the national coalition that click represents because um the building that coalition and demonstrating that both public and private have a stake in local internet choice is a big part of what it's going to take to win this battle to free up localities to engage in their broadband future the way they want to. Um, so we will certainly help and facilitate with that. And, and as Jim said, there are a number of other organizations who are allies and friends and do many um, uh, things that are complementary to, to what we do, including um, the uh, Next Century Cities group and the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and many of the advocacy groups in the states and in Washington that are constantly advocating for local decision-making around these issues.
1: hmm So we've got about four minutes left, and I'd like each of you to take about a minute and a half to give maybe two things that communities can do in the beginning of the upcoming year to try to mitigate the impact of of some of these laws. And I'll start with Jim.
2: Well, uh, first of all... um, know thyself uh among the uh, most important things that have happened in the course of the last few years spurred in part by the federal stimulus program uh stirred in part by uh the Google uh, RFI seeking uh interest in uh, pilot projects uh communities across the country Uh, learned about themselves, their strengths, their weaknesses. They thought about what they could do if they had access uh, to affordable, advanced communications capabilities. And uh, uh, a great many of them found uh, a a lot of things that they could do better. And so one of the things that communities uh, can do is to focus on their strengths and weaknesses and resources and needs and uh, determine for themselves uh, what their stake in a positive outcome is. Uh, Once they know that, I think their uh, enthusiasm for obtaining access to advanced networks, either by working with uh, willing incumbents or by entering into public-private partnerships uh at the end of the day doing it themselves if necessary will uh will emerge from that process. And mm-hmm. uh, then once they've got a, a first hand sense of what their stake is, reach out to the groups that Joanne uh mentioned before. Certainly uh we're easy to find at click and uh we will uh be glad to uh share what we're doing uh, what the other groups are doing, a- and join us, uh, get active, and we will together uh, see what is possible to do in the year ahead.
1: Okay. Joanne, you got about a minute and ten seconds. What's, what's your advice? Two things, All or one.
3: Well- Thanks, Craig. Um, number one, uh, visit us at uh, www.localnetchoice.org. We welcome new members, and we hope we can provide you resources and support um, as you engage these issues at the local and regional and state level. And second, find your allies because they're there. It might be your chamber of commerce. It might be your, your small business organizations and or your um your larger employers in town, the Municipal League in your state, the County Association in your state. You have many allies, and we all need to work together.
1: Excellent. And I want to thank both of you for uh, taking time to be with us today and giving our listeners uh, some really good advice and insights. Um, I wish you all the best of luck with Click, and um, I'm looking forward to a very successful 2015. Thank Thank you, Thank you, Craig.
2: Thank you, and thank you for all you do as well, both on this program and in your uh, many uh, writings on these topics. They're they're greatly
1: needed. I appreciate that. And, um, folks, stay tuned. I'm negotiating with uh, Senator Janice Boland's office, who's a legislator in Tennessee, and we're going to try to get her on the show next week to talk about the season. So, anyway, have a great day, folks. Thank you for joining in. We'll be back again next week with more great news on broadband.
3: Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.